You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. A very happy Friday to you all. Plenty to get to ahead on this episode of Locked On Cougars, but welcome to the weekend. We continue our look back at BYU football history, talking about 1963 and the end of the Hal Mitchell era for the Cougars. How did things go in his third and final season? We'll break that down. We'll also talk about the college football playoff expansion, the announcement coming from the CFP committee. What do the details entail for BYU and their chances of making this 12-team field if it is approved down the road? We'll break that down. And, of course, catch you guys up on everything else and going on in BYU sports news. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends with the Locked On Today podcast. It's 20 minutes or less getting you guys up to speed on everything going on in the wider world of sports. And I mean that sincerely. They do a great job with it. Check it out wherever you guys get your podcasts. All right, without further ado, let's dive on in on a Friday. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for June 11th, 2021. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City in my day job, and it is an absolute privilege and a pleasure to be with you guys here on a Friday talking BYU sports. If you have not done so already, I'm going to sound like a broken record. Hit that follow button. Make sure you join us every day. Make sure that you're the smartest BYU fan in the room, because that is my aim with this here podcast, is to make you guys the smartest Cougar fans when it comes to talking with your family and friends. They're going to sound astounded that you know so much about BYU and you know the little secret you have me in your back pocket almost literally if it comes to your smart device keeping you guys informed on everything going on with the Cougars. Getting going here on a Friday, we talked yesterday about the rumors of a 12-team expansion of the college football playoff. Well, the official word is out now from the college football playoff expansion uh, committee, I guess you'll call it, the working group. There were four members of the committee who were tasked over the last two years to evaluate what expansion options were available and or what they would recommend to the college football playoff committee. Well, they have made that declaration they want to see a 12-team playoff. The top six seeds would be the top six conference champions ranked by the college football playoff committee. The other six seeds would be the next six teams, the most highly rated teams according to college football playoff committee when they do their rankings each year. And it's a very interesting proposal here, folks, because as I mentioned on yesterday's podcast, it does not guarantee any conference or conferences that they get an automatic bid. The Power Five is not guaranteed anything in this. Will they get in? Most most definitely. Plain and simple. I would imagine that most years, the top five teams, so, so the five conference champions from all five Power Five conferences, the SEC, the ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, and Pac-12, they're all going to get their conference champion in. Even if it's not the automatic bid, I think they'll probably get an at-large bid. But... This opens up a huge avenue for G5 teams. At least one G5 conference is going to have an automatic qualifier into the field. Does that mean that they would be the only team in the field on a given year? Probably. It could be 11 Power 5 teams and one G5 team. But there are other years, like this past year, 2020, according to the prerogatives, the parameters set forth by the CFP working group, you had what had Coastal Carolina and Cincinnati make the field. BYU would had an argument to make that they could make the field as well, but you would have at least two G5 teams in there. 
I think this is actually a net positive for the entire sport of football. Now, on to details with regards to BYU and their independent status. And this is the interesting part in all of this. Notre Dame, Jack Swarbrick, who is the athletic director at at Notre Dame, was actually on this working group, and he actually has Notre Dame as well as other independent teams. There's a rule in there, according to what this working group has laid out, saying that an independent team like Notre Dame, like a BYU, and let's say another team like Army maybe down the road, well, they would not actually be able to get an automatic bid because they do not play a conference championship game and they are not in a conference. I think that is actually very notable that Notre Dame was willing to kind of step back and say, you know what, we're okay with this if it's for the betterment of the sport. Maybe it's not necessarily for the betterment of the sport in Jack Swarbrick's mind, but it's actually a pretty noble gesture, all things considered. So, BYU, will they ever be a top four seed under this current new proposal? No, they will not be. But... They can make the field, and they could host a home game as one of those uh, first four matchups, the first round. By the way, the the details are that the top four seeds automatic buy into the quarterfinals. The other eight seeds, so seeds six through ten, I'm doing my math, no, six, seven, eight, nine, would host home games against uh, 9, 10, 11, 12, Whatever, you get it. I'm Don't do math on the air. I was taught in my radio career by DJ and PK. Don't do math on the air. I'm trying to do counting on the air. Similar, you know what, forgive me, but you guys get what I'm talking about. There'll be first-round matchups at the home sites for those eight teams. They would then go on to face the top four seeds in the quarterfinals, which would take place on January 1. Then the college football playoff semifinals and finals would be after that. So we're looking at a sport, speaking of college football, that is going to last probably until mid-January. Now it already is approaching mid-January with how the CFP National Championship currently is, but you're adding an extra round of games. But I do like the access that is being opened up. It's actually quite, um, I don't know, revolutionary is probably the wrong term, but it's actually very nice to see for once that the Power Five is actually giving the G5 a fairly decent opportunity uh, to make the chance to play for a national title open to them. I. I don't know what, maybe I'm up in the night on this, but I'm actually coming away from this, folks, actually somewhat encouraged at the future state of college football. I never thought I would say that, honestly. And and there is an argument to be made that BYU probably under this new format maybe should consider conference, uh, conference membership. I know they would like to be in the Power Five. There's no doubt about that. But there are some advantages now to being a member of a G5 conference, potentially. I think the American Athletic Conference would look a little more enticing to BYU in certain circumstances, maybe a return to the Mountain West, but uh, that's down the road. One other argument to be made here, folks, is that BYU quite possibly may want to ratchet back on all the Power 5 scheduling that they have done. Obviously, you're going to have to go out and make a name for yourself, but as our good friend Ubuntu on Twitter, he tweeted at me after I talked about this on Twitter last night, uh, at Jacob C. Hatch, if you want to follow me there, he said that 2020 is actually the best argument for BYU to actually schedule down versus schedule up, and I got to say, under the current format of how things look here, there is absolutely an argument to be made here. I have always said that BYU probably schedules too many Power 5 teams. If you guys go back through the years on this podcast, if you really are that dedicated or you've listened for that long, you know I have said that I think BYU should probably play three to four Power 5 teams each year. What I call three to four uh 
G5 Powers, Boise State, you know, the upper echelon of the G5. And then you're just going to have three to four other games in there to kind of mix it up. I think that's probably the best format for BYU success. And under this new format, you win games, you're going to be rewarded, maybe make a college football playoff field that gives you a better chance at winning a national title than ever before, possibly. Man, I... Tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, tweet at me. Let me know. I, I would love to get your guys' feedback. Email the show. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address. But I'm coming away from this, folks. I'm actually quite encouraged if this ultimately is how they adopt it, speaking of the college football playoff committee, this actually would be a net positive for the sport of college football, and it actually opens up better avenues for BYU than I think they had previously. Uh, maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe your guys' opinions differ, but I really actually am quite encouraged by the proposal put forth here. I like it. We'll find out. But it'll be very interesting to see what shakes out with the Cougars, what happens with college football. But the playoff, I'm thinking, actually has some some positives looking forward if this is the format they're going to adopt. All right, coming up next, we'll talk a little more BYU football in specific. Look back through the history books at 1963 for the Cougars, the final year of the Hal Mitchell tenure. As I promised on yesterday's podcast, I've got a unique connection to Hal Mitchell. I'll share some of the details on that. We'll get to that here in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends at Stat Hero. Did you guys know that 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? That's an incredible number. Is it really all that surprising, though? The game is rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, and not to mention experts who have more tools and more time. You don't really stand a chance, folks. That's where Stat Hero comes in. It is the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts you, the player, in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head to head fantasy matchup. You name your stakes, it's winner take all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero shows you their lineups ahead of time. No one else is willing to do that. Check it out, guys. Stat Hero is a great, great way. If you want to win in daily daily fantasy sports, excuse me, check out Stat Hero. You're in total control. Stat Hero is the DFS way it was meant to be one-on-one. Play Stat Hero now and change the odds. May they ever be in your favor. Go to stathero.com slash lockdown right now. Sign up for free. Right now, you can receive three times back on your first play. You heard that right. They're giving up to three. 300% match back to you. It's absolutely unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on right now to take advantage of it. Once again, that's stathero.com slash locked on. Folks, today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends over at Bet Online. It is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action, guys. The NBA playoffs are in full swing. NHL playoffs coming down to the wire, obviously. Baseball season ongoing. MMA, golf, horse racing. No matter your sporting interest, Bet Online has an option for you guys to check it out. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs at betonline.ag and place your bets there. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams are in the playoffs right now in basketball and hockey. The summer stretch is coming. We're headed towards the all-star break in baseball. Golf is always fun to bet on, in my opinion. I, I personally like it, but encourage you guys to check it out. Head to the website now, betonline.ag, or sign up on your mobile device. A lot of you probably would prefer that. And get your 50% welcome bonus when you make your first deposit. Use the promo code Locked On to get that deposit bonus. of whatever you put in in that first deposit added in as free money, all courtesy of BetOnline, as they are your online sportsbook experts. 
All right, my friends, let's talk about 1963 for the BYU football program as our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown continues. And by the way, folks, your guys' contributions to this do not go under-noticed or unnoticed. Under-noticed is probably the wrong term, but unnoticed because you guys have been absolutely critical to what we've been doing with this countdown. I could not do it without some of the resources that you guys have sent to me and have been really helpful with. And I, I got to just say a public thank you to all of you out there. You know who you are. would be far too many names to run down. Actually, it would take almost the entire time we have here. But thank you for your, for your help. Let's talk about 1963, though. This was not a good year for BYU, to be clear. 2-8 and eight overall on the season. 0-4 in the WAC. Dead last out of six teams in the conference. Not a season that you would have liked to have seen for BYU, especially after they saw Eldon Forti become the first first-team All-American in 1962. You think, okay, we're going to build on this. Nope. Not that way. The single-wing offense that Hal Mitchell deployed just fell flat, and BYU could not get over the hump at all. The only two wins on the season were wins against Montana in Provo, 27-0, beating the Grizzlies, and then finally the second-to-last game of the season, beating Colorado State 24-20. Around that, losses at Kansas State, a loss to Arizona, both in blowout fashion. They lost a close one to Utah, 15-6. Went to Wyoming, got routed 41-14. Beaten by Utah State and shut out at home, 26-0. Went to George Washington, losing 23-6. An interesting note about that George Washington series from 1962 and 1963 that led to Hal Mitchell's departure, we'll talk about here in a minute. They went to Pacific, were shut out once again, 14-0. And then finished out the year at New Mexico, losing at University State. 26 to nothing. The offense had issues, as we have been very clear about. But BYU, they ultimately decided to make a change at the top, replacing their head coach. Speaking of Hal Mitchell, Tommy Hudspeth comes in as the new head coach of the BYU football program. We've got a really, really fun article, not a fun article, a fun interview that we're going to play beginning next week. Mel Olson, an old neighbor, a longtime family friend of mine, coached at BYU for many years, worked in the McKay School of Education. Many of you may have had him had you gone to BYU, went through the education program, got a coaching minor. He was the architect of all that. Spent 18 seasons working under Lavelle Edwards, 20 years overall, coaching at BYU. And by the way, also was an all-conference player for the Cougars before embarking on his coaching career. So we'll talk with him. That'll be on Monday's edition of the show and throughout next week. We'll play pieces of that. But 1962 is very interesting considering how Mitchell tried to get the program moving in the right direction and actually laid the framework for what would become BYU's first conference championship team just a couple years later, but kind of the wrong guy in the wrong time, if that makes sense to you. And I found out as I was doing this, I uh, put out links for my shows on social media, as you guys are probably all well aware and maybe a little annoyed by with, by all my obnoxious posting, but you know what? I got to get the word out somehow. But an old classmate of mine, Audrey, who I went to BYU with, she actually lived across the street from me for a time in off-campus housing, funny enough, is the granddaughter of Hal Mitchell. I had no clue about this. I have known Audrey literally for years. She's become a dear friend uh, from our time at BYU together. But she reached out and said, Jake, 
Hal Mitchell is my grandfather. I said, how did I not know this? And we got talking and said, okay, Audrey, here's what I need from you. If you, if you don't mind, could you write down some of the thoughts and some of the stuff that you know about your grandfather that I could share with our listeners? Well, she called her father, who actually formerly was a walk-on at BYU, funny enough, and got some information for us. So I'm going to read from her message to me about what happened with Hal Mitchell. So let's start here. Hal Mitchell was a tackle at UCLA in the early 1950s. In 1952, he played in the college all-star games that were uh, around during that time. He then played for the New York Giants in 1952 and then was drafted into the Army, where he played for the Army from 1953 to 1954. He was actually named the most outstanding player in the U.S. Army and received a gold watch that, according to Audrey, her father still has that watch. After getting out of the Army, he tried out for the Giants once again, but did not make the team. The Washington Redskins at the time, they're now the Washington football team, as we all know, however, wanted him, but he declined their offer to go into coaching. This is a guy who played at an extremely high level, folks. He was drafted in the NFL. He was a standout player for UCLA during one of their very strong eras. He coached high school football from 1955 to 58 in California, then was hired as an assistant coach at BYU. His first year was in 1959 with the Cougars. He coached the freshman year, which was separate, obviously, at the time. He went undefeated 4-0 and then became the head coach in 1961, as we've already chronicled. He actually was the youngest head coach in BYU history at the time, becoming the coach at just 30 years of age. That was something I did not know about. I thought how much was a little bit older than that, but just 30 years old, he takes over the program. He was named WAC Coach of the Year, as we mentioned yesterday, in 1962. And then, according to Audrey, her father said that one of the reasons Hal was not successful as a head coach was because he was not innovative. He liked to stick with what he was comfortable with, including playing his, quote, single wing offense without fail. That is something I've heard from multiple people talking about this era is that Hal just would not uh, innovate, would not kind of deviate from what he thought was successful. That kind of went down. But he did hire Lavelle Edwards. And according to Audrey, even Lavelle Edwards said later that my dad, uh, Hal, did not know football. Oh, excuse me. Lavelle Edwards said later to my dad, speaking of Audrey's father, about Hal, that Lavelle did not know football like Hal did, but Hal was not as organized and adept on the administration side of things, so that was his ultimate downfall. Hal hired Lavelle in 1962 from Granite High School as an assistant coach, one of the main reasons being that Lavelle had run the single-wing offense. Lavelle has joked about that during his time as a coach, saying the only reason I was hired at BYU is because I was the only person running the single-wing in the state. But then in 1963, BYU you played George Washington in Washington, D.C. They lost that game, as we just talked about. They actually, after that game, several of BYU's players, including some of their star players, went out drinking. Hal found out about that, kicked those players off the team on the plane ride back to Utah. The president of BYU at the time, Ernest L. Wilkinson, he's got his own issues, as we can be clear about. Ernest L. Wilkinson, that's a topic for another day, heard of this and apparently called up Hal and chewed him out, saying it was going to be a PR nightmare, which... Yeah, absolutely. And pressured Hal to allow the players back onto the team. We, she ultimately relented and didn't put them back onto the team. But according to some reports, he would not play the players. He said they can be on the roster, but I will not play them. Following that season, ultimately, BYU decided to part ways with him. And according to another person I talked about, about this era, Hal Mitchell actually felt like there was confusing uh what would you call communication from university leadership with regards to his handling of this incident. And yeah, it ultimately led to his dismissal as head coach of BYU after that two and eight year. 
But the Hal Mitchell story actually has another, I guess, what we call another facet to it. I'm going to read straight from here. Hal went on to coach football at Cabrillo College in Santa Cruz, California. Audrey said her dad, Scott, played under him and they later walked on to the BYU football team in 1976. Ultimately, it lasted only one season. But in the 1970s, Hal received his doctorate from BYU in education. His dissertation was on how football equipment could be designed or should be designed better to protect the players. In 1975, he pitched his studies, findings, and prototypes of better shoulder pads to the Rawlings Company, and they were so impressed that they actually offered him as a job as a design engineer. He went on to get 30-plus patents for his protective sports gear they designed for Rawlings during his run from 1975 to 1990, living in Missouri, working for the company. He also was a big fan of carpentry and building. Ultimately, he passed away in 1993 from can- in California from cancer in a home that he, him, he built himself. Sorry, I'm, I'm struggling here, folks. Surrounded by his wife, kids, and dozens of grandkids, Audrey was there in attendance when he passed away. Audrey, a public thank you to you and your family for sharing that with us. I had no clue that Hal Mitchell was such an influential figure on what happened with the future of sports with regards to protective equipment. That is absolutely revolutionary. And you know what? That is really cool to see that he went on to have great success, speaking of Coach Mitchell, after his days at BYU. Obviously, not a good situation to find yourself in at odds with the university administration, but still, an incredible story that ultimately, yeah, he lost his life as a relatively young man. I believe he was 63 years old when he passed away. But a really, really cool story and no idea that I had that connection with Audrey and her family to Hal Mitchell until I talked about it on this podcast and put it out there on social media. So to the Mitchell family, thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing with us about your father, your grandfather, and thank you to Hal Mitchell for laying the groundwork. And what I mean by that is the 1963 freshman team, as I mentioned, Mel Olson was a freshman in 1963, in addition to Virgil Carter, as well as some of the other standouts players who are going to go on to become the first conference champions for BYU in just a couple of seasons in 1965. We'll talk about that early next week. Like I said, that interview with Mel Olson will help kind of lay the groundwork of what happened in the final year of Hal Mitchell's tenure and moving over to Tommy Hudspeth that allowed BYU to become conference champions for the first time in program history. But it does not happen with Hal Mitchell. And I do have to say, I'm actually somewhat... um, what, what, should, what? How am I trying to determine this? I'm actually somewhat intrigued by the whole backstory of the whole players drinking and that whole deal and the university leadership actually pressuring Coach Mitchell to put the players back onto the field. But, hey, that's one of the things. Different eras, different leadership, how people respond to things, that's their way they go about it. But a very interesting story all the same. And hopefully I made some coherent sense about the life and legacy of Hal Mitchell to you guys. Thank you. Thank you once again to Audrey and her parents, Scott in particular, for sharing a little more on the backstory with regards to who Hal Mitchell was. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll wrap up the show, get you guys up to speed on everything else you need to know as a BYU fan here on a Friday. We'll touch on that here in just a few minutes. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends at Built Bar, folks. It is the best tasting protein bar ever, and I mean that sincerely. Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors plus occasional limited time flavors? When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. 
I'm right there with you guys. Among the nine base flavors, I am a huge fan of the Cherry Barcia. I'm a huge fan of Peanut Butter Brownie, Double Chocolate, and Salted Caramel. There are other flavors, absolutely. There's both nut and non-nut flavors, and obviously, there's a brand new flavor, the Grasshopper Cookie, folks. I cannot encourage enough to give it a shot. There's something for everyone out there. I would encourage you guys, if you haven't tried them all, get a mixed box where you get two of each of the nine base flavors and see what is your jam. And while you're at it, order a box of the Grasshopper Cookie if they're still available. They are delicious. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Place that order. While you're there, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your first order. Once again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. And get enjoying the best tasting protein bars with Built Bar. All right, my friends, a couple of notes for you before we go on other BYU sports news you guys should take note of. Let's start off with golf. BYU's Carson Lindell was named to the 2021 Division I Ping All-Region Team by the Golf Coaches Association of America. He was one of 10 golfers from the West Coast Conference featured on the West Region Team. There are six regions around the country. BYU's Peter Kess as well as Rat Rasmussen received the same All-Region honors in 2020. So congratulations to Carson Lundell. Very much a big honor for him. BYU is a hold, by the way, as the university, the athletic department won their eighth straight Commissioner's Cup. It's the eighth straight year they have won the honor. Really, really cool. BYU is the strongest uh, team in the conference in terms of the overall athletic department. There's no question about that. I think it was, goes without saying, but it's cool to see BYU win that award once again. They won an impressive fashion with 105.5 points, good enough for a 14-point lead over runner-up Gonzaga, who had 91.5 points. And once again, it's an unprecedented eighth consecutive Commissioner's Cup for the Cougars and in their ninth year of conference competition. So really, really cool to see that. We'll have a full recap of how things go with the NCAA champion for men's and women's track and field over the weekend up there at Hayward. We'll do that on Monday. Wanted to give you guys kind of a full view of how things go. Got to say there's been some both disappointing and surprising results for BYU. Probably not the best showing they've had so far, but they still have the ground to make up today and tomorrow up there at Hayward Field, and hopefully they can do just that. We'll do a full recap of that for you guys on Monday. But seven of the BYU uh, distance runners for the cross-country program on the men's and women's side of things had received academic honors when the West Coast Conference announced its 2021 all-academic teams that came out earlier this week. Three members of the women's national championship team won those honors. All-American Aubrey Frethenway, McKenna Lee Hansen were on the first team, while Haley Johnston was on the academic all-honorable mention team. And on the men's side of things, uh, BYU All-American and 2020 individual national championship Connor Mance was the only student athlete named to last year's WCC All-Academic Team to repeat this year. He won that individual title at the conference championships for the second year in a row as well while leading BYU to the team title. Mance was joined on that first team by fellow All-American Casey Klinger as well as Ethan Cannon and Clayson Shumway. So congratulations to all seven cross-country athletes on those honors from the West Coast Conference. All right, coming up on a Monday edition of the show, as I mentioned, we're going to have Mel Olson on the show, an old family friend, an old old BYU coach, a guy who's been around BYU for the better part of almost 60 years. Really cool perspective on BYU sports. You'll get to hear from him beginning on Monday. Hope you guys have a great weekend whenever you hear this. Make sure to follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Follow us at Locked on Cougars and weigh in with your thoughts. Email us as well. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address for this podcast. Until Monday, have a great weekend. This has been the Locked on Cougars podcast podcast for June 11th, 2021, and we will talk to you guys on Monday.